Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The following program is brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio. Begin to be poured out upon all men. This is there. Spoken by the prophet Joel. This is there. Spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I pour out my spirit, saith the Lord. Everybody, Pastor Bob, the Tell It Like It Is radio show. We have got um, 
Glad to have you. I've got a bunch of people texting me. Boy, I'm, I'm kind of like a deer in the headlights here. I'm looking at my text rather than talking. Pastor Bob is the pastor of the New Life Pentecostal Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. So you may know that if you're listening to 1230 KDIX, which is the station, the AM station that we're on here in Dickinson. We also are being picked up on KDIX's website and also Holy Ghost Radio Channel 2. And I've got everybody texting me and... Um, we uh, they're saying that I'm on the air, so that's good. Good to have you. Good to have um, Brother Duran helping us uh, listening. We got man, I got a lot of people texting tonight. It's pretty neat. Um, I'm glad you're listening. We do a radio program every Sunday night from 8:06 to 9:06 Mountain Time, and uh, we one of the re- thing, reasons we do it is because we're trying to reach people locally here to come to our church, 501 Elks Drive. Our next service is Wednesday night, 7:30. That's the New Life. Pentecostal Church, and I'll be telling you more about that as we go through. We had a great service today. We had uh, a lot of new visitors there again, like it seems like every Sunday, but especially today we had a lot of new visitors there. The church looked fuller. It looked pretty good. We've got a building that we can really expand and make it even bigger yet, but it just looked really good today. Uh, we, um, I just want to give a shout-out to some of the people listening tonight. We've got... Um, the uh, brother Blackshear is listening. The Willises are listening from Charleston, South Carolina. We've got Nathaniel and Olivia listening tonight, and uh, they're from up in Park River. We've got Luke listening. We've got Bill and his family listening in Gova. Uh, we've got the um, somebody said, "Welcome, Sister Sarah." That's Sister Yvonne and Marin from Bowman. We I announced last week I was going to have Sarah. We're doing an interview, and we've got uh, uh, Brother Jones saying, tell it, Sister Sarah. Uh, Brother Joe is listening in Texarkana, Arkansas, and we've got Brother Greg Johnson listening tonight. We've got Tamara listening tonight. Um, Brother Griffith is listening tonight. And um, so just a bunch of people that are, are tuned in listening. The um, uh, We've got a guy named Eric Woods listening tonight. We've got Daniel listening tonight. And uh, so if you want to be part of this program, text me 701-290-7862. Now, uh, I'm going to say this too. We've got a person here, an author here that's written a book on child rearing. And I'm going to introduce her in just a second. But if you have any questions about child rearing that you would want to ask me, text me 701-290-7862. And a bunch of people are texting tonight. All kinds of texts are coming in. But if you want to be part of the program, and I will get these questions to our guest. Now, our guest, I want to introduce her tonight. She is Sarah Woods, and she has written a book called My Child. And we're going to talk about this book. If you want to, you can order this book. We'll give you a a website that makes it the easiest way to order it. But Sarah is, I'm I'm not going to pretend anything. She is my daughter. And uh, the, and I want her to introduce herself. I want to um, uh, just tell us a little bit about you. And then after you do that, what prompted you to write a book on child rearing? All right. Well, thank you so much for having me on the air. And it is an honor to be here and an honor that so many people are listening. Hello, everyone. Hello to my family. I am married to Michael Woods, and he pastors the church in Beulah, North Dakota, Truth Community Church, and maybe some of our Beulah family church are listening right now. And I have three children. 
Philip is 19, and I just want to throw out a congratulations. I am about to get a daughter-in-law. He proposed last night to Jalen Slutton, and I am very excited about that. And my next son is Eric Woods. He is 18, and my daughter Jacqueline is 15. So we're a little bit past the training stage, and I felt like the Lord had been prompting me to write a book. And when I when we were young, my husband and I, when we got married, we were 19 and we were part of a great church. The church taught a lot about raising children. We were both raised in pastor's homes, raised in good homes. And we both really kind of felt like we had it all figured out. We had our first son. He was a textbook child, Philip. He, everything I read about, he just did. And I just felt like, wow, this is this parenting thing, you know, people just need to read their books and follow the rules. Well, then Eric was born and um, all of those rules kind of flew right out the window. He was not a textbook child and I had a lot to learn. So I read a book that was very influential in my life and um, it taught me a lot of great principles. It was recommended by our pastor. However, the tone of the book was written in a very commanding kind of way. And I felt like there was a lot of people that I would recommend the book to who were just completely turned off by the tone of it and couldn't see the principles of the book. So for years, after my kids were kind of past the child rearing ages, I felt like the Lord had been telling me to write this book. Well, it all kind of came to a head. I had been taking notes, writing down things for years. And finally, at the beginning of 2020, I just felt this prompt, you need to get this book written. Now, I will say that I asked the Lord, and I, you know, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I said, Lord, if this is really you, you know, there's thousands of child-rearing books out there. If this is really you telling me to write this book, then have somebody come up to me out of the blue and say, you really need to write a book. Well, I was in a MOPS meeting, Mothers of Preschoolers. I'm a mentor mom. And I had spoken about raising children. And afterwards, a lady came up to me and said, you know, I really wish you would write a book. I was like, okay, well, that was pretty direct, but people are nice, you know, so I thought, well, I'm going to put one more fleece out. And I said, Lord, if that was really from you, then help a Holy Ghost filled person that I respect tell me the same thing. Well, I was in Dickinson um, speaking about raising children again, and afterwards, this lady came directly up to me. And she is probably one of the top five most influential women in my life. And her gift is encouragement. She has encouraged me my whole rearing children life. And she has never in my life said to me, you need to, ever. She's always said things like, wow, you're doing such a good job. Man, those babies are so cute. She would just love on me, love on our family. And with absolutely no hesitation, she looked me right in the eyes and she said, so you need to write a book. And I felt all of the blood just rush out of my head. I was like, if he is going to speak directly to Sister Rachel and have her tell me this, then I absolutely know that's from the Lord. And so that's kind of how it came about, the the writing of the book. You know, uh, we're going to kind of get into the meat of this book in a little bit. And here again, if you have questions about child rearing specifically, uh, 701-290-7888. Six two. You can text me those questions, and we'll attempt to answer them here on the air. But we're going to get into the meat of this book. But I want to um, one of the in the in the kind of the backstory of of the very beginning of the book. You have a quote from your father in law that says, "Readiness is a sign of commitment." 
And so are you really saying that people can, if they're willing to put some of these biblical practices and purpose in, in um, put, put them into practice, that they can actually raise decent kids? Well, I think you have a lot better chance if you apply the biblical principles. Of course, kids have free will. And we never are guaranteed anything. But I guess one thing that I always ask parents is, do you like your kids? I mean, we all say we love our kids, but sometimes they're just kind of monsters to be around. And if you don't like your kids, you can. And and that's I felt like that, that quote that he said is like, if you're really truly committed to liking your kids, then you'll be ready and you'll just say yes and yeah. try applying these principles. Well, I know that the, uh, you know, as I, of course, reading this book, it, it uh, made me cry just some, of course, when your daughter writes a book, it's probably going to make you cry. But this, just before we get into here again, the meat of the book, uh, there are so many voices out there telling you how to raise children. And, um, and I think, um, like there was a guy that wrote a book back in the 60s, a, a Dr. Spock, that probably did more damage to our society than many mm-hmm. other people even combined because he tried to say that children are number one. Like they're, right. they're um, you know, they should be the number one focus. But your book seems to say the opposite of that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think that the number one thing that we can do for our children is have unity in our home, unity of the mom and dad. But I will say and this is for any single moms or dads that are listening to this, and I reference this in the book, but I firmly believe that a single mom or dad that is committed to raising their child and committed to having mentors involved would have better luck of raising children who understand the way that God works than parents who are not on the same page. Because if your kids can learn to play the parents against each other and they can sense disunity between the parents, that is much more detrimental to a child than even a single mom who is working diligently. Right. I, I, I believe that, too. And I think that's why uh, this book, if if you do purchase this book, how, what's the best way? We'll just say it here. When you... The least expensive way to purchase the book, unless you're going to buy it in person, um, either from our church in, in Beulah or from the church in Dickinson, is to go to my website, sarahjoewoods.com. It's S-A-R-A-J-O-W-O-O-D-S.com. That's the least expensive way. Okay. And, you know, on, and here again, I would suggest if the parents are, if it is a two-parent home, that they would read the book together and, and work on some of these things together. Well, I'm going to just kind of, you know, we're going we're gonna to play some music tonight and stuff, but I'm gonna, not going to do that right now. But I want to just kind of get into the um, uh, chapter two, which talks about the gift of submission, which I think is a um, very, very interesting concept because we want our children to be submissive to us but we don't want to break their their we want to break their will but not their spirit and you bring that out a lot in the book i really do think that um there are people that are going to think that some of this is just mean like you know making your kids listen to you and be submitted to you so why don't you just go in and start kind of talking about what was in your head when you wrote this book on or this chapter the gift of submission sure well one thing i do want to point out that i am in as a, I think as a, a lady, I completely understand how touchy the subject of raising children is. We get very defensive, and even though our kids are driving us crazy, if anybody else is pointing out that our kids are being naughty, it's very difficult to take. It's a very, very touchy subject. And so I never want to 
at all act like I feel like I'm an expert, like I raised perfect kids. In fact, after I wrote the book, I did tell my teenagers to please at least pretend to be normal in public because people are going to be watching them now. And <laughs> they did approve all the stories in the book. So I, I, I just want to say that if you are raising young kids right now, you are you are on a holy mission, and I want to encourage you to keep it up. But with regarding the gift of submission, I, I think this came to me when I realized that submission is such a sensitive topic as well. When we talk about submission in marriage, it has a very bad negative connotation to many people in the world and not understanding what a gift it is to teach children that even if I don't want to do something, I am able to do it. I'm over, I'm able to overcome my will to do what I'm supposed to do. And the thing is, is we submit on so many levels. So we have these children who, you know, their parents are so proud of them because they don't take anything from anybody. Well, okay. You know, I guess if you're saying like they stand up for themselves, so they're not being, you know, hurt or whatever. But if you're saying that they just demand their own way all the time, you're really giving them a very bad start in life because they have to learn to submit to the laws of the land. We submit to the laws of our health or else we end up sick. We submit to laws in school or else we end up in detention. And so you're really giving your child a gift if you can teach them to submit. Now, teaching them to submit, you know, I'll I'll just give a story. So sometimes we have these sweet moms and they say, you know, oh, you know, I could never I could never spank my child because I love them too much. Well, just to point out, first of all, that the Bible does say that if you spare the rod, you hate your child, which is such strong language. But I think we have to remember that the word hate is not just a feeling. We all have warm, cozy feelings about our children. But if you aren't taking the action that the Bible tells you you have to take to raise submissive children, you're actually not loving them the way the Bible teaches us to. So... You're trying to raise the submissive child, and this child, for example, is going to touch the outlet. And a sweet mom who just can't bring herself to spank her child may get up, walk over to sweet Sally, and even with a smile on her face, pick sweet Sally up, move her away from the outlet. Sally goes back to try to touch the outlet. Mom says, don't touch the outlet, Sally. Sweet Sally doesn't listen, so mom goes back over, picks her up, and moves her. People think, wow, what a good mom. She's not getting mad. The problem is, is she's teaching Sally that anybody who's bigger than you, you have to listen to. If they can physically remove you from whatever they're telling you to do, then you, you know, then they're in charge. She's actually essentially bullying Sally into submission, even though it doesn't look as mean, maybe, as slapping Sally's hand. Now watch the difference. Sweet Sally goes over to touch the outlet. You say to Sweet Sally, Sweet Sally, don't touch the outlet. Sweet Sally doesn't listen. So mom just walks over calmly, associates a negative reaction like slapping Sweet Sally's hand with touching the outlet. After a couple of times, just through conditioning, Sally now knows, ouch, it hurts to touch the outlet. She is now in the position to associate when mom says no, it hurts if I don't listen. And you have given her the gift of submission. Does that make sense? Oh, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, in, even in that chapter, it, it talks about how you're setting your children up for blessing. And you just mentioned that when they learn to submit that, um, you know, they you're teaching them, you're helping them to be good students. You're helping them to be good employees, uh, helping them to be good uh, spouses. Absolutely. You know, they're just all the way along the line because you, submission, 
uh, to godly authority, like in this case parents, is uh, one of the best things. You know, one of the things I found that's so weird about this or strange about this is down south, and I'm not I'm not throwing everybody in North Dakota under the bus here, but down south, it seems like people still know a lot of this stuff. Right. Like, like they still, it seems like in some of the southern areas of the United States, people are like glad when they see a parent um, disciplining their ch- child or, or even in a school, you know, they'll, mm-hmm. they'll, um, you know, you're not going to do that here, you know, that type right. of thing. But uh, I, why is that? I mean, why is it down south that it's like that? And, and around here, maybe, and, and it is like, I mean, there's good parents around here, don't get me wrong, but our culture seems to be, uh, has fallen for some of this modern psychology or something? I think modern psychology is by far the culprit. Um, media, I guess what I would what I would say is that I feel like that sometimes we see children who are out of control. The parents are feeling very helpless, and well-meaning people want to make them feel better about themselves. And so maybe in the South, they just speak of their minds. Maybe they're a little less like trying to put on the perfect facade, but we, we want to help people. So you see some child that's completely out of control and you want that mom to feel better about herself or whatever. So psychology, instead of helping them to be better, is shooting to make them feel better, I think. And so yeah. they, they are giving them diagnoses. They're, they're, you know, telling them it's not their fault, that this is just a stage. And, and parents are feeling helpless. When I was, I was speaking to my mops ladies, I'm their mentor moms. So I'm the oldest one at our group. And, and they were just so sweet. They knew their kids were out of control and they wanted real answers. They weren't, they weren't there just for me to make them feel better because they weren't enjoying the child rearing process. And so I do, I, I totally agree. I think that a lot of, I mean, things such as children don't understand what the word no means until they're two years old, giving 18 month olds three warnings. Well, your 18 month old is not going to remember that you gave them a warning at all. You know, they just need conditioning immediately. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I, I definitely would agree with that. And, you know, we're going to take a little song break here just to, so we can gather our thoughts. There's a bunch of texts that came in. I might read those when we come back. But um, something that uh, uh, Sarah said was that, you know, you know, you, you find people that will make you feel better about raising uh, really unruly kids. But you know this this program has never been about making anybody feel better about themselves <laughs> it's all about you becoming better that's what this is about not feeling better stay tuned we're going to come back in just a second The 
Pastor Bob, the Tell It Like It Is radio show, welcome back. We are interviewing the author, Sarah Woods. She's written a book called My Child. It's about how to raise children. Uh, got a lot of texts tonight. Just uh, mention a few here. We've got, um, let's see, with some that are, uh, we've got Matt listening. We've got Dave listening. We've got Sister Brett's listening. Good to have her. We've got Miranda and her kids listening. Jackie's listening. Michael's listening. Now, this Michael, you might know, he said he's the pretty lady's husband. And that's Sarah's husband's listening. Tim from North Carolina is listening. Brother Belgard from um, Dunseeth is listening. And, and we've got Eric listening. Let's see who else here. Um, the um, Let's see. who. What does this say? Um, you'd have to be a stone not to be touched by this episode of the Tell It Like It Is show. Just wonderful. The um, so he's he you know this Greg that texts me he is always so nice he even when I do a crummy show he finds something good to say but I think he's true this time um, we were talking 
Sarah's got a book here called My Child. We did have some questions about child rearing. We might get to those in a little bit. But we were talking about the concept of submission. And now we're not really finished with that. But I want to, there's just some of these chapters, the titles are kind of intriguing to me. One is Proaction, Not Reaction. Why don't you address that and what you meant by that chapter? Sure. And one thing that I really, really appreciate about the Word of God is how it makes so much sense. And so when the Bible uses the the phrases to train up a child, training is so much different than disciplining. So, you know, you're teaching your children what you expect of them on a daily basis. And then when those expectations aren't met, you have to discipline them if they're, if they're disobeying you out of rebellion. But as you are teaching them what they don't already know, that's the training process. And no anger is required because you can't expect them to know what you haven't taught them. And many times I feel like we are more upset with ourselves for what we have failed to teach our children than we are actually with them. But because we're bigger, we can take it out on them. And that's one thing that I am not okay with because that's abuse. Your children have to have the parameters set for them. And training is always happening in a home. Either your children are training you how to react to keep them happy, or you are training your children how to react to keep you happy. And it's going either way all the time. And one one example, and this is in the book, but there was this little boy that we knew who used to come over to our house. And every time he would come over to our house, we had this little thing. He didn't like hugs, and I'm a hugger, so I didn't hug him. I would always just rub his head. And one day he came over to our house and he was in a really bad mood. And I went to go rub his head and ask him how his day was. And every time he would say it was bad and it was a little game we played. And I rubbed his head and he said, you're going to stop that. (laughs) Well, you know, part of being a parent or any kind of childcare worker is that you are the adult. And little children should not have the ability to boss you around. So I said to him, no, I'm not. And I rubbed his head again. And he said, if I get very angry, you'll stop that. And I said, nope, that's not how it works in this house. And the words that came out of his mouth, he, he is a brilliant child. He said to me, he looked me straight in the eyes and he said, I'll train you to work that way. And I was just so amazed that he had the fortitude to even understand what he was saying. And I just said to him, in this house, the adults train the children, not the other way around. And maybe because I am a strong personality or, you know, OCD, whatever you want to call me, maybe that just gets a rise out of me more than some people would. But for a little child to have that much control of his own circumstances is very scary for that child. And so when we're training a child, and many people cringe when you compare your children to animals. But I would like to point out that many of us have much higher expectations for our animals than we do for our intelligent children. And I I daily see children whose intelligence is being insulted by their parents because they don't expect them to listen. If it was the dog that you had told to get off the couch, that dog would be in huge trouble. But if it's the child, well, then, you know, maybe he's just strong-willed or maybe he's too young to understand. And so I think that the proaction versus reaction, it's more about keeping the anger out of our parenting and just calmly 
training our children on a day-to-day basis what our expectations are. And yes, we're born into sin. Children are going to rebel against those expectations, maybe sometimes, and then we have to discipline. But if you are finding yourself constantly upset and constantly disciplining your children, then you know that you are being a reactive parent, not a proactive parent. I would say, you know, it, it takes a lot of work to be proactive, you know, because you have that has to be intentional. Right. You know, I, I knew a, a lady, uh, um, a Pam Hussey, that she, um, you know, her kids were being unruly in church. So she set up church in the home and then she taught them how to sit in church yes. at home so that she wouldn't have to get onto them at church. Yes. And some par- parents do that for shopping. They'll they'll pretend to have a little pretend store and they'll I have different that. things and the kids. So, it, but that takes a lot of work. It but, does. But in some ways, it's uh, probably takes just as much work to bail your kid out of jail someday too. I mean, so I mean, it, it's like either do it now or worry about it later. But I, I really like that chapter. And then you know, the proactive versus reactive, because I do think, for instance, a lot of parents are like, there are parents that think spanking is abuse. Right. But some of those same parents get so frustrated with their children who won't listen, they may not spank them, but they lose their temper and they scream and yell and Absolutely. all these things. And, and I'm like, oh, don't talk to your children. Like, that sounds like you hate them. Yeah. You know, but I think it's, I think uh, they're just the titles of some of the titles of these chapters uh, proactive rather than reactive, I think it speaks volumes because um, good children, you know, there's a there's a, a couple that moved to our church, and you mentioned them in the book. They were youth leaders in our church, and I would compliment. They had wonderful little children, mm-hmm, just two little did. girls that were just very well behaved. And one of the little girls, her name was Sarah. She wasn't wasn't necessarily an easy child to raise, from what they told me, but. <laughs> When I'd compliment this man, I would say, oh, you have the best behaved girls. And he would always say this. They weren't born that way. Right. And then he would say, we're working on it. <laughs> He'd yeah. say, well, the girls turned out really well. Mom and dad both did a wonderful job with them. Uh, but I like that what he said. They weren't born that yes, way. In I other words, they, kids are not born necessarily good. Now, there's some kids that are really good and they're easy to raise. And, and you that have those kids that you think you're an expert. But sometimes, you know, I, I had a brother-in-law like that, and I prayed that he'd get one just to teach him a lesson, and he did. But I'm not going to tell you which brother-in-law that was. But now the, the chapter 4, which follows chapter 3, proactive, not reactive, um, I didn't get the title at first, oh. but this follows exactly with this. Thou shalt not lie. I thought it was going to be a chapter about teaching your children to tell the truth. But this is a chapter about teaching the parents to tell right. the truth. Why don't you explain that? Well, when I was writing this chapter, it, that title came to me because, it, you know, like you said, it does catch your attention. But I found that so many parents, and I, I guess I'll just say it out of laziness probably, are constantly lying to their children. And what that looks like is like this. If you do that one more time, I'm going to come over there and make you stop. Well, then the child does it one more time. The mom doesn't get off of her phone, and then she says it again. Okay, now, one more time. Or, if you don't clean your room, you're not going to grandma's house. Well, grandma's babysitting for your date that night. Yes, the child is still going to grandma's. And it's this constant of just being aware of what we say. And so, the way that I combated that, because I understand parenting is super busy, and you're not always going to have time to follow through with your commands, it is so much less detrimental to not make the command than to make the command and not follow through. So multiple times 
If I was busy and I saw that my child was misbehaving, I would pretend not to notice because I knew I didn't have the time to go over and physically deal with the situation and they would win. And I I think that's basically what it comes down to winning with your child. When you speak it, you have to mean it. And it doesn't take very long for children to realize you mean it. In fact, I just had a success story. A lady who had read the book texted me and it was so exciting to read it. She said that her child, whenever she would give him a spanking or whatever, tell him what to like to clean the living room or whatever, he would always throw a major fit. And then she would spank him and then he would be crying and she would be crying and then she would feel guilty because she probably spanked him too hard and it was just this ongoing thing and the living room would never get cleaned because she would just eventually clean it because she was tired of fighting with him. She said, I read your book and I said, I'm going to try that. So I said, clean the living room. He disobeyed. I went over, calmly spanked him. That happened five times. And the fifth time, little boy cleaned the living room with no tears. No, he was just not used to mom following through the first time she spoke. It makes so much less tension in the house. Well, it's so interesting to me, too. I know, Sarah, when you were a little girl, we, we would do this occasionally. We would watch parents that would say one more time, one more time, and we'd count how many times they would say that. Um, and I, and, and there's so many weird dynamics, interesting dynamics, but he, I even, even we have a prayer room in before church. Um, there's a mom listening to me. She'll recognize it's her and she's a very good mom and she'll have a little boy. She'll make sit. She, she has several boys. She'll make sit next to her and he'll slide over one. Mm-hmm. He's still sitting, but he's still <laughs> getting his way, you know, right. like he's, and she, she doesn't miss a beat. I mean, she knows everything that's going on. And if, if that mom knows who I'm talking about, you text me and say, is it me? Is it I? You know, it is. But I know you, you and I, I'm so proud of you because of you just, you pay attention to this. Now, this concept of thou shall not lie, parents do make um, wild claims. You yeah. know, like um, I, I knew a parent one time that threatened their daughter that said, if you don't do this, you're not going to uh, the family vacation with us. <laughs> well, that's not going to happen. You know, I mean, when you're eight year old, like, oh, doesn't get to go to the family. Staying so, I mean, up. you make up these wild stories. Um, I had one, uh, one of my wife's sisters used to uh, tell her daughter, she said, if you don't straighten up, you're going to have to go live with Uncle Bob. <laughs> that would be and awful. She started crying. I don't want it. They don't have a TV. <laughs> and her, the other sister, her other sister, Kim, was like, oh, I want to go live with Uncle Bob, you know, because, and, and uh, I don't know, I don't know if they're listening or not either. But there is, Parents do make wild claims, wild threats. They they don't come through with it and so come through and, and do anything about it. So they technically are lying. Right. And, and of course, in this chapter, I think you discussed how even the pitch of your voice. Yeah. You know, if you, you say, the child knows when you say one more time exactly which one more time. Absolutely. And so why would you train your child to listen to screaming commands? Right. Because then they're being like, oh, I guess dad's serious now. <laughs> Well, why not? Why not talk quietly? Why? Why? Why do you have to scream? Why not teach them? You know, when I'm talking to you, you've got to listen. You've got to do this. You know, I was. Um, um, I don't want to take over this whole show because you're the expert on this. Oh, yeah, but, right. but the the I was in a home one time, and this lady. Uh, it was a home in Dickinson, and I don't remember her name. I was putting windows in for the home, but I. She fascinated me. She'd ask her kids to do something. And they would jump up, smile, run and do it, and come back. And I finally, after watching this several times, she had several kids, I said, I got to ask you, what do you do to these kids? Right. And she said, oh, you noticed something? And I said, yes, I did. 
And she said, well, my husband and I decided a long time ago that we didn't want to ask our children twice to do something. So we would ask them. We were made sure they understood. And then if they didn't do it, we'd find something else for them to do. I love that. And if they didn't do that, we'd find something else for them to do. And they found out in a hurry that if they would just do what we asked them to do, right. they could get back to playing or whatever they were doing. But otherwise, they could be busy all day. <laughs> but, yep. you know, how much work is that? That's a lot That's of a work lot of for the parents. Through. Yeah. But after a while, it'll pay pay dividends. Yes. Now, um, you know, I we're kind of running out of time. I don't really know if I'm going to play a part of a song or not. I do have some questions that came in. But um, one, chapter 6, uh, and you touched on this just a little bit, but is my child the exception? Yeah. Now, I'm not going to read through the whole chapter, but... Many times that's a cop out. Right. Yeah. So why don't you talk about that? Well, the the thought for Is My Child the Exception chapter came mostly based upon the strong willed child discussion. And so like even even like my dad pointed out, there are some children who just seem like genuinely good kids. And I guess I would contend that every child is born into sin, so every child is self-willed. And many times those ones that seem like really good kids, they're more the ones that seem compliant. They don't really care enough about things. They're not really passionate children. They don't really care enough about things to make a scene. But a lot of times they will be the one that's going to slyly still go get their way. Now the child that every time you tell them to do something they don't want to do, throws a fit, shouts and yells, that's the one that because we want to make parents feel better about themselves, we label them strong-willed. And it came to me that we label these children strong-willed. People write books about how, oh, that strong-willed child, if you can just channel that right, they're going to be a world changer. No, they probably... Okay, for example, we would never go up and say to somebody, oh, my child... They are liars. My child, they love to steal. And if I can just channel that right, they're going to be a world changer. My child loves to hit people. And if I can channel that right, he's being strong-willed the way that we see it in a child is actually not a strong will. It's a self-will. And self-willed is a sin. If we are constantly demanding our own way, we're sinning. And and to try to tout this as some positive thing is is not the proper way to respond to it. Now, I contend that having a strong will is actually what we should teach our child because having a strong will means this is the right way. I have been taught this and I'm going to, I have a strong enough will to tell myself no to the things I want and do what is right. And we had a question come in um, regarding what do you do if children say to you, I don't have to listen to you, I'm not your mom? Yeah, this thing. was a grandpa, yeah, that yeah, texted me. Yeah, I'm a caregiver of a child and you know they're not going to listen because I'm not your mom. When we train our children to overcome their will, to submit to authority that is speaking truth, children, you know, people are scared to let to teach their children to listen to anybody but them because they think they're going to be abused or taken advantage of or or put themselves into scary situations. But it's actually the opposite of that. We teach our children what to look for and how to recognize truth. And then whoever is giving the command for truth, they know to submit to it. For example, in church, the elders in our church, they had every right to help me with my children. And I was so thankful if they did. And if, if they said to my child, don't go outside. And my child said, I don't have to listen to you because you're not my dad. 
they would know that that elder in the church was looking out for their safety and they had to submit to it, regardless of who it was. If their own brother said to them, don't take the cookie from the cookie jar, they knew they were speaking truth. They had to submit to it. Now, I'm not saying that they did that perfectly because I wasn't always around. <laughs> so, but it, the topic of is my child the exception? Sometimes if we give our child a diagnosis, like, well, I can't expect them to listen. They have ADD. Okay. Maybe you have to make sure your child is looking at you in the eyes and understanding what you're saying to them. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should never give a command while they're distracted because then they're winning and you never know for sure if they're listening or if they're not listening. Yeah. But if you look them in the eyes and you say, this is what I expect of you and they don't listen, their diagnosis is now completely irrelevant. Yeah. And I, I guess my biggest thing with this chapter, and I actually cried when I was writing this chapter because in God gives us direct commands. He never says, if you're this personality type, then you have to respond to this command this way. And if you're this person personality type, you respond this way. He just says, do this. Mm-hmm. So teaching your child to overcome what's natural to them in order to, to listen and submit, your child is not the exception. They still have to learn that. And I, it's harder for some children than for some other they have things that they have to overcome and i my heart goes out to every parent that is raising children with legitimate disabilities but you still have to win and you still have to teach them to overcome that to follow after truth you know i and i and here again if you're listening tonight and you have a child that's that's um you know in trouble or or whatever you know i i think we all understand that there are possibly some severe handicaps that some children have mm-hmm. But I, I am seeing a kind of a, a scourge of excuses now because right. we've got so many new childhood diagnoses or diagnoses. How do you say it? Well, diagnoses. Anyway, diagnoses. Thank you. Um, we have so many, you know, new ones, you know, and, and even one of them that talks about what is the one that talks about uh, that you're not compliant. What is that one? Um, oh, yeah. I forgot what it was yeah, called. Yeah. I always forget what it's called, too. But see, so many of these diagnoses that, uh, that we diagnose children with are many times just excuses to as to help us as parents feel better about ourselves. Now, I know that's not comforting to you, and I know you, you say, well, my child is the exception. You don't understand. But I've seen, like, uh, now we can talk about your children because they're grown up, <laughs> but your son Eric had some really weird behaviors when he was little. He did. And if we would have taken him to a child psychologist, they could have diagnosed him this or that. I remember... Um, he would see an animal a block away like a dog and just start screaming bloody murder. Yes. Um, I, I remember one time he was in the uh, back of my car. You had, I had the kids and we were going to go to gram, grandpa and grandma's house. They were going to stay overnight. And uh, I told the boys, I said, put your seatbelts on. <laughs> well, Eric said no. And I, so I, I, you know, as a, you know, Grandpa still has some fire in him, and I reached back to squeeze his knee to get him to listen to me. And uh, I, I squeezed his knee, and he started fighting me and yelling and screaming. And um, and I I just had this really kind of a neat thought. And I said, oh, okay, Eric, you don't have to put your seatbelt on. And it calmed down. I said, we're just going to take you back to your mom's house. You don't get to stay overnight at Grandma's. Well, I heard this blood-curdling scream coming from the back seat. I turned around, <laughs> and he was screaming, and he was trying to put that seatbelt on as fast as he could. 
Well, the reason he was screaming was because I won. He knew he lost. Yeah, he yes. lost. But but I'm telling you, that's not a childhood psychiatric problem. That's the problem we've all got to one degree Absolutely. or another. We don't want to listen. We want our own way. And really, a child that's three or four years old shouldn't have their own way. It's right. dangerous, you know. Right. So now, um, you know, you kind of dealt with this, and is there not a cause? You dealt with that. The, uh, the Do you want to say anything more about that? Is there not a cause? Or is that because uh, you talk? You had talked about that, that we need to teach our children there's a bigger right. bigger cause. And that uh, and maybe is, just going into the bullying. Yeah, do that. Talk the about The bullying that. topic in that, in that, is there not a cause? When we teach our children that there is a cause larger than themselves. And, and my dad alluded to this um, initially when he said that Dr. Spock's teachings were very much about having a child-centered home. When children grow up le- legitimately feeling like they are the center of the universe, it gives them a completely skewed view of the world. But when they grow up thinking, I have a cause, the cause that I grew up with, and I was very blessed, and I I completely understand that to whom much is given, much is required. And I believe that the cause that I was given was that we are here with a purpose. Our purpose is to serve the Lord and to take as many people as we can with us. So when I went into the public school system, I had a walking disability. And obviously children are, you know, children are mean and they would make fun of me. And I had an advantage because I had a big brother and people were scared of him. So I probably got made fun of less than people who didn't have that advantage. But I will say that it happened And it was not defining to me because my school was not my world. I was under the impression that my job at that school was to reach these people for the Lord. And so they didn't have that power over me because I had a different cause. And I just, I just want to encourage parents that don't ever buy into the bullying. My child is being bullied. Being bullied is a choice. It's, it's a mindset. You, you can't be bullied by somebody that you don't give the power to bully. You can be roughed up. They can be mean to you. They can tease you, but you can, in your mind, decide they don't have that power over my mind. And once you do that, and you can't do it in your own strength, it's because my mind is on something else. It's not about how I feel. And if it's all about how your child feels because you've made them a child-centered family, then your child will grow up to be bullied and to be a bully. Yeah, and that I really... Now, to me, uh, we've got Dr. Ramsey listening tonight. To me, now that's some deep psychology there. I, I never really thought about it before. It, it, um, the, the concept that how can you be bullied when you're so full of confidence because you're doing the right thing? Absolutely. Yeah, so, you know, you, you're confident. You're, you're, um, you know you're doing the right thing. So somebody makes fun of you. Somebody laughs at you. In, in your case, um, as a Pentecostal girl, you wore dresses and skirts all right. the time. So people would make fun of you and so on. But you knew why you were wearing them, and right. you felt good about it, and, and even maybe felt sorry for them that they didn't know that. Absolutely. So, so that was a, um, you know, I, I think that's a. I, that's a really I do want to point. point out too that that's only regarding peers. You know, if somebody's in a position of power over you, or you know, that that's a little bit different, or way older than you. I mean, I have seen legitimate cases of people being mistreated by somebody but i'm talking about peers they don't yeah. have that power if you don't give yeah. it to them right and of course you know and there certainly would there would be some extreme situations where people are physically hurting you oh, or, or whatever stealing your lunch money or whatever <laughs> so but the um a uh, lot of a lot of good texts a lot of people listening tonight we have um uh, the word we were trying to think of is oppositional defiance yes yeah, so that's you. what we we're trying to think of uh 
now we have this chapter, and we're you know we're we're just kind of doing a different program. If you're tuning in late, this is this is the Tell It Like It Is radio show with Pastor Bob, and I've got the author uh, Sarah Woods listening or Sarah Woods with me in the studio. She wrote a book called My Child. You can order this book by going to sarahjoewoods.com. Yes. It's just S-A-R-A. We spelled Sarah the right way. Sarah Joe, <laughs> J-O Woods, W-O-O-D-S.com. And you can order this book for how much? Thirteen ninety nine, and 13, that includes shipping. Thirteen ninety nine. I'm I'm trying to work out a deal where I can get some kind of a, a kind of kickback on this because we're doing a radio <laughs> show. If you, if you mention Pastor Bob, you know, she'll charge you a dollar more and give I'll it to autograph me. it. Oh, oh, if you mention there Pastor you know. Bob, Bob Show, autograph it. <laughs> Whatever that means. Yeah, yeah. That's. I'm sure a lot of people are going to be beating down the door for that. I'm sure. Um, we've got uh, Elvin listening, Brian listening. Let's see, did I forget anybody here? Uh, we got a whole bunch of people listening. Uh, we got Guy in Dakota listening. We've got a bunch of Pearsons listening tonight, so they're all listening. Now, uh, we're just kind of moving along. I will try to give out a little st- information about our church towards the end here, but Please judge me. That's the name of a chapter. Now, we live in a world that says, please don't judge me. Why Why do you write, please judge me? Well, I came up with that title because I feel like when you're dealing with people and you're trying to teach them about the Word of God and, and one of the most commonly vo- quoted scriptures in the world, I feel, is the Bible says to judge not. And, okay, I'm going to give that to you. The Bible does say to judge not. It's talking about hypocrisy. You know, the more that you go around pointing out the problems in everybody else's lives, the more they're going to point out the problems in your life. So if you don't want them to judge you, then maybe keep your mouth shut about how you're judging them. But that being said, I'm not at all promoting when you say, please judge me. I'm not at all promoting all of us sitting around and judging other people, gossiping about people, how they should be better. But it's more about we need people in our lives that are not scared to speak when they see things that you don't see. I have to tell one story when my kids were growing up and they would sit on the front row, my boys, and they did such a good job on that front row. And we did the same thing. I I learned that from my aunt Pam, you know, practicing, teaching them how to sit in church and they would sit on the front row and they would do such a good job. And, and I would, I told them one time when they were growing up, I said, yeah, you know, when you guys sat on that front row and I never had to worry, you guys were so good. And that we must've done a good job of training you. They both just died laughing. And I was like, what's so funny. They said, well, brother Dave sat right behind us. And if we were starting to get out of control, he would just tap our shoulder. Or if we turned around, he would tell us to turn back around and here, this man of God was stepping alongside me as a parent never feeling the need to, you know, say anything, but yet helping me raise my children. And, and one time I know my, my husband had to say to me, like, you need to watch your tone of voice. You're not speaking kindly to your, you sound like you hate them. What if he was so scared of me either being stubborn or not talking to him or whatever, that he didn't feel comfortable speaking into my life and making me a better mom. And so I'm just encouraging people, if somebody's reaching out to you, it's not because they have nothing better to do, probably. It's probably because they love you and they're trying to help you. And take it. It's not easy. Ask people, can you can you speak into my life? Do you see things that I could be doing better? Because I want to be the best that I can be. Yeah, and that actually is always the safest way because many times, um, especially in this area, uh, advice not asked for is usually not wanted. That's you know, so Because we true. have the busybody. Well, so one of the things that's interesting to me, people that have never have had children <laughs> – or maybe you've had children and they, you know, 
I mean, like Adolf Hitler's mom or somebody, she'll tell you how to raise your children. Right. You know? Right. And and so some of that, you know, it, it, it is hard sometimes um, to hear that. But I, I do know that if you are having trouble with your children and you look around and find some people that have well-behaved children and just ask them, you know, how, how do you do this? I mean, what are you what are you doing? Like what I want to I want my kids to turn out like this. I, I remember uh, there was a um, a lady that came to our church years ago named Vani, and Vani uh, told me she had a, she had a little uh, girl named um, um, oh I f- forgot her name now, but this little girl she told me one day she said I want my little girl to um, turn out just like Sarah. <laughs> well, she wasn't doing anything right as far as being a parent. So I said, what are you going to do when she turns like 16? Are you going to show her a picture of Sarah and say, be like this? Right. <laughs> I mean, you've got to start now. Yeah. And, of course, you do feel sorry. The one person texted me, I do feel sorry for people that are trying to start later or raising somebody else's kids or Absolutely. raising uh, grandparents trying to raise kids that have never had any. But I, I think that um, even in the case of um, a little boy that's mentioned in this book that you guys have done daycare for, he did fall into line. You know, you'll find out, um, I watched one of my wife's sisters who runs a big daycare. <laughs> I, I mean, I was amazed. Now, in daycare, you certainly can't spank children. No. But through just order and, um, and, and the, um, you know, everything being just like totally ordered and disciplined, I mean, she'd say, it's time for nap, and the kids would all march and grab their bank blanket. Mm-hmm. It's time for lunch. And it wasn't like she had this kind of a herd thing going yep. where you, you know, if you were the only kid that didn't come up for lunch, you know, you were an oddball. Right. And so she, and I think good teachers do that too. Yes. They get They get everybody moving in a direction. Yes. And, uh, and that's just a good ordered home. Uh, you know, we, we, we didn't, you know, we certainly didn't finish talking about the whole book. And if we would have, you wouldn't have had to buy it. Right. <laughs> but um, I, I do know that... Um, I want to encourage you to get this book. I very simple stuff, you guys, but very uh, to me some of the deeper um, psychology. I I had uh, one of my sons that uh, he he loved me so much growing up, like he loved me, but he was a kid that got in a lot of trouble. Mm-hmm. But the part that bothered him the most was he didn't like it that he and I weren't, you know, you know, like if I was upset with him, he didn't like that. Right. And so this particular son liked getting a spanking. But the reason he liked getting a spanking was because he knew that once he got a spanking, that it was over. Right. Like whatever crime he committed could never be mentioned again. It was under the blood. Right. And so some of you parents that just keep harping on your children. And yesterday you hit your sister and three weeks ago you pushed (laughs) your brother. I mean, like, is it ever over? Can they ever be, can they ever pay the price? Right. Because um, I think there's some deep psychology in that. I think um, I think children, you know, they can. It's like in this particular son's case, when I would come home from work and I would read the list of th- things he had done during the day, because I told my <laughs> wife, just don't deal with him. I'll take care of it. Well, he was looking forward to getting it right, right. you know. And so, you know, and many times I'd spank him and I'd cry, yes, because I wasn't even mad about anything. You know, I just I was reading a list, you know. But I, I would cry, and I, I so there's there's some deep psychology to this. Uh, Sarah, give us that website one more time. All right, it is Sarah Joe Woods S A R A J O W O O D S dot com. And why don't you tell us a little bit about if people want to come and visit your church in Beulah? Absolutely. If there's anybody in Beulah, 
listening tonight. We would love to have you come check out our church, Truth Community Church. We meet on Sunday mornings at 1030 at 220 3rd Street Northwest. And also we have Bible study on Wednesday night. We have kids Bible study, youth Bible study, adult Bible study on Wednesday nights at 7 o'clock to 8 o'clock. And we would love to have you come join us. And here in Dickinson, our church is called the New Life Pentecostal Church. Our next, it's 501 Elks Drive. We meet uh, Wednesday nights at 7.30, Sunday morning, Sunday school at 10, a worship service at 11 on Sundays, and also we have a men's Bible study at 6 a.m. on Sunday mornings, or Friday mornings, I'm sorry. We have a church in um, Beach, and we have purchased a building there, but right now they're meeting at the Beach Community Center Tuesday nights at 7.30, and then we have a, a church in Bowman, and they meet. It's right on 18 North Main. It's a storefront church, and they meet Thursday nights at 7.30, Sunday morning at 10.30, and two of the members of that church are listening tonight. want to throw a, a shout-out to Jody. She's listening. Uh, Sarah, why don't you go ahead and pray for our listening audience before we close this program? Lord, we love you, and we thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this opportunity to raise children, to love you, and to know you. God, I pray for every parent out there that's listening tonight, that you will just give them the strength to do what they need to do. Help them not to be overwhelmed with their children, but God, help them to just follow what the Word says and let it be successful in their lives. Lord, let your presence go forward, draw people to truth, draw them to you. We believe, Lord, that you care about how we raise our children. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Sarah, for being on our program. And this has been the Tell It Like It Is radio show. This will be on a podcast later, so you can listen to it again. God bless you next Sunday night at 8.06 Mountain Time. Be back for another Tell It Like It Is radio show. Good night. When he jumped off the bus and he ran across the parking lot He wore a hand-me-down suit, tennis shoes, and a tie. He's looking hot. A birthday Bible in his right hand He got last year when he turned ten They pick him up every Sunday at the edge of the trailer park Oh, he's a bus boy From the wrong side of the tracks He's a bus boy Now how about that? He doesn't look like much But he's got something deep inside Oh, oh, he's a bus boy with a burning desire, he's a bus boy. Well, his soul is on fire. When the able ain't willing, God can even use a bus boy. He goes to Sunday school class, but his teacher thinks that he's a pest. Seems like he always has a lot more questions than all of the rest. The other kids' Bibles all look brand new, but his pages look worn and used. He might look like a boy, but the giant killer was a boy, too. Oh, he's a bus boy from the wrong side of the tracks. He's a bus boy.
Have you always wanted to have a program on the radio? If you can talk on the phone, you can have your very own program on Holy Ghost Radio 2. You can produce your program or we can help you produce it. For more information, tap on the ad panel on our app or contact us through our website, www.holyghostradio.com. The preceding program was brought to you by an independent producer. The opinions expressed on the program do not necessarily reflect those of the staff, management, or ownership of Holy Ghost Radio.